What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And uh, if you want to help support this podcast, please do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, saying a few nice words, giving the podcast five stars. That five stars in the review will help so much. It's, it's a free way to support and it will help propel the podcast into the tops of the iTunes charts which will uh, make it more nationally visible and internationally visible. It will just help strangers find the podcast and stumble upon it and uh, just give more exposure for all the folks that come on the show. You can also check out the Dan Cable Presents YouTube channel, which features a bunch of in-studio performances as well as live show performances, a short documentary I put out last year on a band called Tribe Mars, and uh, some live videos are ready to go from the autonomics i'm so stoked to release these videos so look out for those in the uh the next week or so to uh to start seeing those drop on the youtube channel hit subscribe there as well and uh then you will know when the fresh videos hit the feed dancablepresents.com that is the uh that is the central location to find everything going on the new episode post there as soon as it's available as well and uh at dan cable presents is the old instagram and where i am most active on the social medias so follow me there as well if you want to know about the uh the local happenings here in portland oregon i'm usually shouting out shows that are going on during the week there as well as always letting people know what's going on at the library at Growler's Tap Room, which is the uh, the room that I book at. And uh, let's look at the calendar here. What do we got going on? If you're uh, listening this Friday, we have a dance party going on. We have uh, DJ sets going on from, uh, from a few bands in town. We got uh, Mood Beach and Small Skies and arlo indigo so that's going to be a really really cool dance party going on it's like five bucks and uh it's a bunch of indie artists from around portland that are uh just doing some dj sets which is which is rad it's cool to uh it's cool to go out to something like that and and kind of see maybe what a musician that you have respect for is is listening to and what what they think might you know kind of set the party off in a dj set because it's uh you know i i think it's kind of probably similar to to forming a set with the band and uh trying to make sure it has the right ups and downs to to keep the crowd engaged and whatnot so i'm excited for that if you're listening on release day it's going down march 1st over at uh, growler's tap room and then looking forward to next week on the 8th we have Dusty the Gorilla, really cool jazz hip-hop 
group, and they are playing with uh, former guests of the podcast and friends of mine, Maxwell Cabana. That's one of my favorite bands in Portland. They put on an incredible show, so uh, I would definitely check that out. I'm not going to be in town for that one, but but uh, show up to that one there at the library. That's going to be a real banger and a, and a dance party in its own right for sure. And uh, Dusty the Gorilla is uh, features a past guest of the uh, the podcast when I had David Barber on with Lee Hauser of Radio Phoenix. David Barber and Lee came on to to chat about their David David Barber and Radio Phoenix records. So. Also a former former guest on that one. These library shows have been so fun. And uh, I feel like every time we have a show there, the, uh, the bands are, or the artists that are coming to see the shows are really excited about the space and what the vibe of it is. And then on top of that, the folks that are coming out, if they're musicians to, to see these bands, they, they are... You know, some of those people are reaching out to do shows. So I'm I'm stoked at the the early turnouts for this place and I feel like it's already kinda building a cool cool name for itself and, and stoked that we have this amazing space which feels like a house show but has an an engineer and, and a door person to make it feel like a uh you know, more legitimate situation and, and there's a bar of course and and whatnot. So Come check us out down there at the library, March fifteenth. This is a show that's going uh, going to hit capacity, so get there early, or you might not get in at all. Past guest of the podcast, Jay Gregory, is on tour with Nervous Lovers, and um, headlining that show is another past guest of the podcast, Skull Diver. That's gonna be wild, man. It's gonna be such a cool place to to see Skull Diver and uh jay gregory and nervous lovers as well in that that intimate room but it's cool to have some uh there's so many guests over 150 episodes that it's it's rad to see how many connections to a a band that has been on the podcast or just a band that has been on the podcast itself in in some of these lineups over at the library it's uh it's it's cool to see what kind of roster I have developed just from doing the podcast, which has made the the booking over there just extremely pleasant. So I'm excited about that. I want to tell you about two more um, huge events coming up in April that that I am uh, either a part of or hosting. And um, before we get into this episode with Matt Blitzer from Super It, which is a rad conversation. I'm stoked to share it with you. But uh, yeah, just a couple more things before we do. On April 13th, I am uh, helping coordinate this another PDX Music Video Fest, which is going on at the Clinton Street Theater on August 13th. And it's a really cool event at the Clinton Street Theater because number one, it's all ages. And I don't get the pleasure of throwing too many all-ages shows. Most of the bands I deal with are usually playing shows that are 21 and over, at least here in Portland, Oregon, because we do have limited amount of all-ages venues. So I'm excited that this is an all-ages event. Um, what this is, is we're having a music video festival 
We're picking 15 to 20 music videos to show. Um, it, this event is going to be going on from 5 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. And uh, the first 90 minutes or so are going to be music videos from a bunch of locals in town. And uh, we're going through the selection process on that right now. And um, then the night is going to be closed out with the show. So it's almost two separate events. And you can either come for both or or just come for one or the other. It's going to be really rad, though. We have an awesome lineup of another just like all bands have been on the on the podcast. Uh, Camp Crush, good friends of mine. Sam Densmore and his new band, which is fucking banging. Um, and Sam is is who I'm putting this show on together with. He uh, he was telling me about this idea and and asked me if I would like to to help out and uh, seem like a a cool idea. So I I jumped on board with this thing with Sam and stoked to be working on it with him and and Skull Diver is also headlining this uh, show. So that's gonna be rad because I know they they do a lot of work with uh, the youth, the younger kids as far as um, music camps and stuff. So I, I'm hoping that's gonna be a cool opportunity for some of these younger folks who uh, who know who Skull Diver is to come see them. So that's April 13th. Really excited about that. And uh, please come support that. That's going to be killer. And then the big 420 Fest at the Cider Riot Warehouse on 420. The Dan Campbell Presents 420 Fest is going to be so legit. This lineup is so fucking stacked out. It's unreal. Tribe Mars is on the bill. They're one of my favorite Portland bands. As mentioned before, I made a short documentary on them. That's up on the YouTube channel. We got Tribe Mars. We have my favorite Seattle band coming down. High Pulp, the insane funk fusion band that is just the gnarliest dance party. And uh, it's unreal that we also have Weed. Weed is on the bill, dude crazy like psychedelic rock band that's gonna be killer i'm so excited that that they're on board with this thing just those three bands alone is is unreal but uh also opening the night is is the super secret band super secret band which you're going to be hearing more about in the uh the upcoming weeks i'm i'm super stoked to to share more about that but their band name is super secret band they are not a super secret band. I mean, they are a super secret band, but their band name is Super Secret Band. And they're releasing their debut record that day, which is, if that's their album release show. So just insane. It's the 420 Fest warehouse show. I'm so pumped about it. And um, yeah, so more details to be spread about that. And that's it. That's all the ramblings I have for you. Oh, I do want to um I do want to say rest in peace to Brody Stevens, a really amazing comedian who uh was a in super inspiring dude and um uh, unfortunately he uh he had battled the uh the mental health game and um ended up taking his life last week and I was extremely bummed to uh to hear about that brody stevens is a super funny comedian and and just like an incredibly unique voice and 
I used to listen to his podcast that he had with Esther and always, always very, very funny and just an unbelievable presence. And I, I'm so stoked that I had the opportunity to see that dude perform at the comedy store in, in what kind of is known as is kind of one of his signature slots. And, and the comedy store is this amazing place in Hollywood where, um, it's, it's kind of the, the home base for all of the, uh, LA comics and and you can just see amazing headliners there all the time in these smaller rooms and and the shows go till two in the morning usually and and Brody traditionally would have these these later slots in in the cat in the uh in the lineup rather and and maybe go on at like one one o'clock or one thirty and uh yeah one of these last trips down there man big group of my friends hanging out at the comedy store in the main room and Brody Stevens comes on and and he is just doing his 808 till I die stuff and, and positive energy and, and enjoy it all all the Brody taglines man and you just hear this voice howling from the back of the booth and and by then we're close to the only people in this room and uh, there's just this dude howling laughing in the back booth behind us and uh it was it was a familiar laugh and and I and I look back a couple of buddies and I look back and it's and it's Joe Rogan and he is just he's just back there losing his mind watching Brody and and just laughing hysterically and and it was such a it was such a cool moment to to witness this uh one great comedian observing the other great comedian on stage and and just uh how much how much Rogan was getting out of it out of the back was was almost just as funny as what Brody was doing on the stage and and so that was very cool so rest in peace Brody Stevens very inspiring dude and and uh thank you for you know sharing your words and your observations with the world definitely made it a a funnier place all right let's get into uh episode 151 here the band Super It is uh, on the cast. They are a uh, a rock band from from LA, and I had the pleasure of having a phone chat with their singer Matt Blitzer, and uh, just really enjoyed kind of diving into these tunes over the last week when I found out I was gonna have the opportunity to uh, to chat with Matt and. This music is is killer. I've really, really been uh, digging all the different dynamics to it. It's got a lot of different feels and and uh, you know taps into a lot of different bands that I enjoy quite a bit. So I was definitely drawn into the tunes pretty quickly, and uh, I think this this newest batch that they've put out is. Uh, the Come is Relief single, which also uh, had a re-release of Stockholm Syndrome, which was on their their first EP as well, just a different mix on it. And we talk about that a little bit. And then it also has this song Blue Age, which we'll feature later on in the podcast. But uh, I think this this freshest batch just just shows that this band is gonna, I think, has a a lot to uh, a lot to bring to the table, and and I think it's already 
you know, a good step forward from that first self-titled EP that they put out. But I really enjoyed talking with Matt on the phone. I want to take, um, say thank you to Sarah Faccio, who uh, linked me up with this one and has been uh, kind enough to keep sending me artists to, to speak with. And, um, you know, doing these phone, these phoners is, is, uh, is a little different pace usually than the, uh, the ones that we do in person, especially, uh, maybe when it's a stranger, cause we're, you know, we're, we're feeling each other out over the phone and, and trying to catch a rhythm. But I, I think we, uh, we definitely tapped into some cool stuff. And, and like I said, and great chat with Matt, he was a really nice dude and and hopefully you know i continue to get better at facilitating facilitating some of these uh these phone conversations as well and uh because it's a good opportunity to get to uh chat with some folks that maybe aren't portland based and and bands don't always have the time necessarily to to chat in between their sound checks when they are here and and sometimes schedules just don't align so i definitely want to keep exploring some of these uh these phoners these phone conversations and whatnot so let's uh let's do it man i'm gonna leave all of the uh links in the episode notes so you can keep up with uh with the band and whatnot and follow them on uh on instagram if uh if you dig what you hear all of their music is available on spotify and, and itunes and wherever you can find streaming music i know it's even up on they have audio files up on the uh the YouTube channel as well, but uh, lots of good music to dig into. This is, you know, this band hasn't been around for a super long time, but they've already um, released, I think, ten songs are are available to listen to, and there's a, a full length record on the way. And uh, yeah, a real pleasure to get to chat with Matt. So thanks to Matt for uh, taking the time to hang with me, and we're gonna kick this episode off with a uh, a real banger of a track and uh it's called come as relief this is episode 151 everybody with super it let's get into it let's do the damn thing
Blitzer. Hey, how's it going? Not bad. What's happening, man? I'm just sitting in a in a crepe place in Santa Cruz. It's called the Crepe Place. Yeah, right on. You guys are playing that's, there tonight, huh? That's where we're playing tonight, yeah. Right on. Well, it's uh, cute. It's very small, very intimate. Nice. Uh, I appreciate you uh, jumping on the line here and to, to chat it up with me about your, uh, your band Super It. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I've been uh, I'm I'm new to the band, but I've been digging into the tunes and and really enjoying the music that you guys are making. Thank you so much. It seems like I think that's that's not an unusual thing for you to feel like you're new to the band. I think most people are new to us as well. Right on. Um, yeah. Yeah. Talk to me about how this thing started. Um. Well, the long version of the story, I guess, goes back to about. 2010 when me and all the guys met um in college we all went to cal arts in valencia california um we were studying we were all studying jazz and um music technology and we all kind of met at school and then we all moved into a house together and started playing together and kind of built this musical kinship with one another over the course of you know four years in school some of us graduated, some of us didn't, uh, but <laughs> I, I won't say who. Um, you're, you're not going to sell anybody out? I'm not going to sell anybody out, no. <laughs> um, but, you know, after everybody was finished with school, we all kind of went off and did different things for a while. Um, Alex, our keyboard player, plays with Spoon, so he was doing that. Me and the bass player were playing um, in a band called Harriet for a while. And our drummer, Sam, was kind of just gigging around town and doing session work and composing for television stuff. And then, you know, a couple of years of that went by and I started to go a little bit crazy, just wanting so badly to have my own project again. And um, I had a little bit of what I like to call an emotional breakthrough <laughs> where, where I, we, I called all the guys. And I was like, "Look, let's just, let, I have a bunch of songs. Let's let's start taking this seriously and see how far we can take it." And that was about that was on Valentine's Day of 2015, um, a day that will fo- forever live in infamy, tattooed on my arm. Um, and we started playing shows around 
yeah, Valentine's Day and made an EP with Dave Fridman, or he mixed the EP, and then we kind of started to develop a better relationship with him after we mixed those songs with him. And then we went out and made the record with him, and now we're finally starting to release it, and comes as relief along with Blue Age and a remix of Stockholm Syndrome are the first three recordings from those sessions we did with Dave. Yeah, absolutely. Um, since you guys had known each other for so long, were you guys always kind of geeking out, writing music together when you were living in the house together and whatnot? Exactly, yeah. We, we were all listening to the same records every day. We were all singing the same songs. We were learning the same music. It's kind of like where we all really learned how to, how to, how to write. It's where I learned how to write songs, where everybody learned about how we wanted to approach rock music. Because me and the bass player, Pat, and our drummer, Sam, all were in the jazz program. Sam definitely had a little bit more of like a rock background growing up in L.A. But Pat was from Wisconsin. I grew up in San Francisco and um, Santa Barbara. And I kind of had a little bit more of a sheltered musical life. So we were all kind of really almost militant about listening to jazz and playing jazz and they're really being like, no, you know, there's no other way, but jazz means, you know, just these kinds of things that you think when you're like a teenager. Yeah. And, and, um, but then we all started playing together, started listening to a bunch of stuff together and we started, that's where we really built our sort of musical kinship. We had a rehearsal space in our house. It was a mess. We would party there. We would play there. Some crazy things would happen. I remember at one point, I think Pat, the bass player, he had lit, he lit the pool on fire with gasoline. We'd throw <laughs> parties. People would be crowd surfing in the living room. It was like a real really doing it. Yeah, it was like a real it was a real cliche of you know art school, music school, creative expression. That's what we'll call it. It was a lot of creative expression. <laughs> Do you, was it difficult for you guys to kind of move away from the jazz thing? Because I I do feel like you know, seeing jazz players and, and getting to know some of them, it seems like once they kind of break into that jazz world, it's hard to sometimes break out because of the freedom offered through the jazz. I mean, I'm only going to speak for myself here. I, I, I just, I couldn't break into the jazz world. <laughs> so okay. I kind of went the other direction. I mean, it, it's, I think it takes such a specific type of mind to really be able to do that uh, in a way that's, authentic or original to be a really great improviser you have to really have a certain type of mathematical mind and you know it for me that just wasn't exactly what i wanted to be doing and also there's so much academia around jazz that it, it kind of sucks the life out of it a little bit for me these days I'm, I'm i'm wanting to get back into it and it's i think it's a really beautiful art form and we all appreciate it and actually we've been listening to a lot more jazz on this um tour than we normally do but yeah it was it was really it felt so tied up with school and it felt very competitive in a way that i didn't really enjoy and you know at the school that we were at there were so many other things going on that it almost felt like if i had just focused on being a jazz musician i would have been kind of cutting myself off from other things that were happening yeah and so, you know, we all just kind of just got deeper into music and started listening to all, all sorts of different stuff. We were playing, we were doing, we were playing a lot of African drums in school. We had a really great teacher from Ghana who would teach us about African rhythms and 
we got into rock music and we like would listen to the band all the time. We got into like a lot of sixties pop music and stuff like that. And that was oh, really yeah. kind of the, that was kind of what took us out of that world. And I feel like at least I, I, again, I don't, I'm just speaking for myself here. I felt like a little bit of a black sheep in the jazz program at our school. Yeah, for sure. And it seems like maybe you found, found freedom from that in, in other things like more structured music, even like as far as, you know some of the songs that you guys are writing in super it yeah yeah there's definitely some they're, they're they lean towards the pop variety of music at yeah. least that's what we're trying to do yeah absolutely but they also um offer a lot of character in the in their Thank pop you. sensibilities you know which is i think if you can nail that then you're in you're in good shape usually you know yeah, yeah. I mean, we're I don't know if we're nailing it yet, but we'll keep we'll keep on trying. I appreciate that. Yeah, and I I think one thing that I recognize when when listening to the tunes is there, you know, all like there does seem to be a lot of influences from a lot of different genres, which is obviously just like a reflection of what you guys are listening to and and what you were explaining as far as kind of being in that jazz world and going outside of it and finding different music and whatnot and i think that all really comes through in the tunes cool thank you i appreciate that yeah um do you feel like you had a different intention when starting this project when you when you were getting it going opposed to things you had done in the past hmm well you know it's 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 kind of hard to answer that question because it really feels like this is the first thing I've ever really done. Honestly. I mean, I, you know, the whole process of making this record that we are starting to put out now. And it's the first time that I've actually really ever submitted anything to the zeitgeist. You know what I mean? Like everything else has felt like a learning experience up till now. And obviously we're all still learning and we want to continue to be learning, but you know, this, this is really the first thing that, we've put out in this way. This is the first record that we've ever made. This is the first collection of this many songs I've ever released legitimately to the world. So I don't really have anything yet to compare it to. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I, I think that next time, I think that anyone who's listening can expect to hear something really different because we want to be exploring as much as we can. But right now, you know, it's really our first step into into this whole thing yeah is uh is fronting a band something that you've been pretty comfortable with i mean it's i love it um it's definitely not comfortable but that's kind of what i like about it um because our our show is very high energy it's pretty engaging with the audience and I don't know. Every time I go into it, I feel kind of a sense of terror before I step on the stage. And then there's about, you know, two or three seconds as you're kind of passing through a jungle of cables and darkness before you step out onto the stage. And I kind of just end up, you know, putting myself under a little bit of a magnifying glass and, you know, almost stepping into an alternate version of myself that's like begging to explode. Yeah. And then I kind of just like submit to that and it's like it's an it's an amazing kind of release of energy but it's you know it's not really 
I've always loved performing and like I've always loved, you know, showing off <laughs> in that way. Um, but yeah, it's not something I've, it never feels comfortable, but it always feels really good. It's definitely very satisfying. Yeah. So, something that you feel pretty, uh, very present in, in the moment and not too much in your head about what's going on within the I try. Show? I try not to be, yeah. It's kind of, yeah, I try not to be too far away while it's happening. There are moments where I'll go, sorry, Matt, like, what are you doing with your arm right now? Like, I can't, <laughs> what's going on? Like, but for the most part, it's like everything's happening so quickly. It's just, it's really just a really special feeling. Yeah. Um, what What is it about this this group of guys that you play in this band with that, uh, that you feel like makes it special or what draws you into creating music together? I mean, we're all best friends. You know, we all we all met when we were young and growing and we kind of just gravitated towards each other. And like our, you know, all of our relationships are all sort of tied up in trying to make something that we feel is, you know, honest and filled with wonder. And, and our whole our whole relationships are based on that, too. So, you know, we all have a really deep musical connection. We have a really deep friend connection. It's like we're a family. I mean, I, I live with my girlfriend now, but like we, we all live together from 2009 to 2008. Uh, 14 and then Sam the drummer and Isaac our other guitar player percussionist keyboard player they still live together and Alex our keyboard player and Pat our bassist still live together so like there's really only three houses between us and we've all lived together for you know almost 10 years now so yeah so just a, a lot of time spent together in the past and and seems like you continue to just be a tiny yeah, group we're, we're like a little we're like a little cult <laughs> you know we don't really ever show up anywhere without each other um i would i would also imagine since you guys have known each other for so long and played music together so long that it's inspiring to watch one another grow as an as an artist and a musician yeah it really is um, absolutely and did you say that, that some of the guys got into more of the technical stuff as far as when you guys were in music school? Yeah, so like, you know, we're all we're all really interested not only in just our instruments or writing or stuff like that, but we also are really into production and Alex is kind of a synthesis and production whiz. Sam's getting really deep into building a studio at his place where we've been recording some stuff that we'll probably be releasing in the next year or so. Um, but yeah, everybody's, everybody's doing a bunch of different things. Um, like I said earlier, Alex plays with Spoon. Pat's been playing with Sparks for the last couple of tours that they've done. Um, you know that band Sparks? I'm sure you know that band Sparks. The old, those old freaky dudes. Yeah, I know the name. I'm not super familiar with the tunes. So they're like a kind of crazy brother band. Two brothers grew up in the Palisades in the 70s and made this really wild kind of avant-garde pop glam music. Yeah. They're really good. But Pat's been playing with them for a while. 
um, we all, you know, sometimes we'll go and play with other people and develop our our skills in other places. But yeah, it is really cool to watch everybody grow and develop and see how the relationships with the music that we're making is changing. And yeah, you know, there, it's it's it seems like when you're young and your your dream is to have a band that's gonna go on and tour and play shows and find fans and make records and stuff that it's when you're a kid, it's like, that's the only thing I'll ever do. It's the only thing I'll ever need to do. But we're all starting to get a little bit older now. And, you know, that, that same excitement and that fire is, and drive is still there to try and push this thing as far as we can. But it's really important for everybody to also feel like they have their own, their own voice as, an, as, an, as a person in the world, as an artist or a musician in the world. And everybody, I think over the last two or two or three years has really started to make strides forward to start developing in other ways. And I think it's brought a lot to what we do and it's going to continue to do that. Yeah. You said it's Pat that, that plays with spoon. That's Alex or Alex. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Is, is, uh, is seeing him doing something like that, make it feel like, like the goal of, you know, becoming a, a sustainable successful band is that make something like that a little more tangible to see him kind of a, just be a part of that process does it make it more tangible uh yeah i mean you know the the sorts of opportunities that we've been able to come across have spanned across the different things that band members have been able to do like over the summer, I did a tour as well with this guy named Cam Avery, and we were opening for Arctic Monkeys in Europe. <laughs> and like things have come from that. We've opened for Sparks. Like we've we've like we've played with. Oh no, we haven't played with Spoon. That was a different band. But we've had other opportunities come from Alex being in Spoon. We're just like all trying to get as we've, we're all trying to get as deep into this music scene as we can, and like any opportunities that we can come across on our own you know, obviously will help, help what we're doing too. Yeah. It just all feeds the, the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Well, uh, let's jump into, uh, a jam. Sure. Uh, We're going to, we're going to jump into my favorite song in the, uh, the super it catalog thus far, which is this, this blue age song. Oh, wow. Is a song I really love. Uh, great. Is there anything, you can tell tell us about this jam before we get into it. Um, there's one line in the song that I that I really like in the second verse. I think about two young lovers on a date staring at their phones, and I like to imagine, you know, like a a candlelit dinner. Maybe there's a violinist standing by the table, swooning, and then just a couple just like staring directly into their phones lost <laughs> uh i think that's kind of a, an image that i would that i carry when i'm thinking about that song kind of sums up for what what the uh the blue age is then the, that's right the, uh losing yourself staring into the phone as we all are all that day. blue light that yeah. blue light <laughs> right on well this is uh, but there's glasses you can get there's glasses you can get to uh to block the blue light out blue blockers <laughs> Those in the, put the links to those in the episode notes. They're very, very fashionable. <laughs> 
right on. Let's, uh, let's jump into this one. This is uh, Blue Edge. So how does the uh, the songwriting work within the band? Is it usually you bringing the bones of the song to the band and, and everybody kind of contributes thereafter, or is it pretty fleshed out? 
it really depends um depends on the song it's it's worked out quite a few different ways um that one blue age came from a night when al came over to my place and we were just we were just jamming on he was he was or i was he normally plays keys but i have a an old piano at my place and i was i was just playing those kind of chords that you hear at the beginning and he was playing uh, the bass and we kind of ended up just, we made a drum loop and it, we made a kind of this little progression that you hear at the beginning of the song. And, um, I think actually we, at one point we were like, I, I don't know. He was like, I don't know what this song is, but it feels like it's, I don't know. It feels like it's blue, it's blue and white or something like that. And I was like, okay, yeah, I feel that it's kind of got like a melancholic thing happening and, and then he left and then I, you know, we had, the, I had the session on my computer at the house and then just kind of started building it out from there. But yeah, a lot of, sometimes a lot of production ideas start with, uh, with demos. Um, but usually I'll, I'll either bring, I'll, I generally either bring in like a very flushed out idea, um, or fledged out idea. That's such a weird word. Fledged. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll bring a fledged out idea and then we'll, then we'll, then we'll play it together. There will be a lot of different arrangement ideas, production ideas, and then we'll re-fledge it together and kind of bring everybody else's voice to it. Um, but yeah, and then comes his relief. Alex had written most of it. He had kind of he had he had made the whole track essentially, and then I just wrote the melody and the lyrics. So it really it really just depends. It changes a lot. Yeah, that comes as relief. Song man is is such a killer, killer tune, and I f- feel like just I don't know one of those songs that definitely must make people want to move when they're when they're uh, when they're hearing it. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was the idea. Yeah, definitely, and uh, yeah, as far as the lyrics, is that always coming from you? Yeah, yeah. Is, That's right. Is that something that you uh you you get feedback from other people from? Do you like to involve anybody else in that process? I haven't yet. I haven't. Um I don't know. I get I'm pretty stubborn about that sort of thing. It's kind of like uh it's hard for me to if somebody else is going to be there, you know, somebody else's words aren't going to sound as good out of my mouth as my own. You know what I mean? Because, you know, not only just as trying to, like, get across an idea or to create some sort of a visual, you know, an image or something like that. It's also trying to find words that work musically coming out of my face. You know what I mean? Right. Which takes a lot of, like, you know, switching out of it's at the them or whatever. You know, it's just like a lot of, like, mundane words that are like okay finally okay that sounded cool coming out of my face so like now <laughs> now what am i trying to say you know it's, a, it's it's for me it's like a really meditative personal process so with lyrics and stuff at least so far that everything is subject to change but so far kinda, it's something that i like i like to do on my own yeah kind of your your own puzzle to work out exactly um and as far as when you guys are making these tunes for the records, are you are you always thinking about how they're going to translate live, or do you really use that recording space to explore all the production ideas and worry about 
if it'll translate later? Yeah, no, we, we, I think that sometimes can really put you in a tough spot. If you're thinking about how something's going to work live when you're in the studio, it's just like you're limiting your, uh, we found that we've limited ourselves quite a bit. So we kind of went against that and went, you know, let's just, let's just worry about that later. And sometimes, sometimes some of the ways that sometimes some of the ways that we've recorded a few of the songs, we'll try and play it live, and it doesn't work. And then we'll figure out another way to play it live that's slightly different. Maybe the audience would notice. Maybe they wouldn't. You know, we'll change we'll change the form around, or change the arrangement, or a song that had acoustic guitar, we'll do it with electric guitar. Really, just whatever makes it work. But no, we, we try not to think about how it's gonna translate live when we're trying to make the record. Yeah, and I know I know you mentioned earlier that that Dave Friedman worked on the first EP, and you're continuing to work with him on the yeah on the new tracks. So, so, yeah, so Dave, the Wizard, he's worked on some amazing records. He is, yeah. I mean, he is like a he's a true legend. I mean, working with someone like him was a serious serious honor. But yeah, we he he mixed the first EP. Um, and then we released two songs after the EP that uh, that didn't make it on the record that we recorded with him. And then we uh, he he mixed and recorded the whole album that we're putting out now, that which was, was really wild. Making it with him, it was super. He lives out in Western New York in the middle of nowhere. His studio is kind of just surrounded by infinite cornfields and there's just absolutely nothing to do nobody's around and it's this weird little amish built studio that's who knows how old it is but he has the most incredible studio space there and equipment and we we were living in there for we were living in there all together for about two weeks there's one bar called BJ's that we would go to and get some Buffalo wings or something like that, you know, every two days or something. And then we would just track all day, go to sleep, wake up and do the same thing. And then we came back to LA for a while. And then we did some more tracking in LA at Sam's little garage studio. And then we went and did three more songs at a spot in Stinson with our good friend, Gabe Wax who's a really awesome engineer that we went to school with who lives out in New York now and has done a lot of different stuff. Um, and we recorded three songs in, in Stinson Beach. Then we came back to LA, did our final touches on everything, and then I went out to Dave's again by myself. And then I lived out in this weird Amish-built home for another two weeks alone, watching laser discs of U2 for like two, <laughs> two weeks. <laughs> And while I would just wait, I would just wait all day while Dave would go in and mix and you could just hear it because he mixes really, really quietly. So I would just be sitting around and you would just every once in a while, you'd hear like a snippet and he would just check to see if something was like bumping and then it would go super quiet again. And then around seven o'clock, he would go, OK, go have a listen. And it would just sound like so just like I, it was it was like I would like start laughing hysterically every time because during the mixing process where he really does his production stuff and it, he's just able to get these sounds that are like, so they're so textural. They're so in your face. Everything is, it's exactly what we wanted to have with the producer. So we, you know, we were breathing rare air working with him. I mean, he's worked with MGMT and the flaming lips and Paula and just like countless awesome bands. Yeah. So it was like, 
really, really special to develop a relationship with him. Relationship with him, and he's just the nicest guy. Yeah, it's a, it's rad that you were not only able to have him mix the record, but but have that time to spend with him and and build a relationship. I would imagine even makes it that much more special. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like especially during the mixing process, like I would just be at the end of the night, we I would sit down in front of the console with him, and we would listen back, and he would ask me what I thought. And, you know, in my experience so far, anytime that we've, we've been, oh, well, you know, I'd like this to sound a little bit more like this. Like if we could get this sort of reverb or this sort of delay or whatever effect going, it was always like, okay, let's try it. And it was usually like a hunt to try and find that sound. But with Dave, he's such a master that it's like he knows exactly what you're talking about as soon as you say it. So then rather than having to go searching for the sound he can get it immediately but then that poses this whole other question is where he'll just look at you and go okay but why <laughs> and then you'll have to kind of go oh shit i guess it i mean i i don't know i thought it would be cool but i guess i have, I have to think this through a little bit more like why why am i making this choice and that that was one thing that i really really got out of working with him was just like really you know putting a lot of extra thought into the choices that we were making because we could really make any choice we wanted to because we had him there to help us get it. You know what I mean? He was really he would really challenge us in that way, which was really cool. Yeah, he wouldn't just let you go with that first idea of, of tweaking a sound just because No. Yeah. No. No. And sometimes he would be like really, really adamant about us like doing certain things. For example, there's another song that's gonna be coming out in the next few months where at the very end there's this saxophone solo that our friend Ted did. And we uh, we put it through this even tide, uh, this even tide delay rack piece of gear that has this crazy scatter effect, and it's one of the wildest saxophone sounds I've ever heard. And after we got it, we were really excited. But then after we had this like rush of excitement, we listened back to it and we we're like, "Is this a little bit too crazy?" And and Dave wouldn't let us go back on it <laughs> he was like we we're like i was i remember saying like dave like what percentage of you like needs this saxophone solo to happen and he was like 125 <laughs> and I was just like, okay cool all right so there's certain things that you know he's always just asking like i mean I, he's always just looking for sounds that he's never heard before and you know whether or not you're ready for them he is yeah, he's like, you brought us to this world and we're going to stay here now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Is it also just a situation where you just like really trust in Dave's instincts because he has worked on so many incredible records? I mean, yeah. He, you know, he's, he's, it's, he's got an interesting vibe because like, you know, I feel like, and this is an assumption, but I imagine that some producers who have worked on some records that are, you know, of the same level that davis worked on live in you know metropolitan cities and they're very stylish and hip and intense but dave's a family man and he's like very humble and chill but he has these moments for sure where like you don't want to cross him you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. he's like come on we're gonna make this sax solo sound absolutely insane and there's no, there's nothing you can do about it and in the end you know i think he was right <laughs> i think he was right and i'm i'm proud of that sax solo um i know you guys had some opportunity to do some touring with with dream car which is 
this super group of of Davey Havoc from AFI and and the the dudes from No Doubt. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was that a pretty surreal time for your band? And like, did you? Yeah. Did you really learn? anything or get anything out of seeing musicians on that level operate just because those guys have been doing it for so long yeah i mean they were all so nice i mean davy is like davy is one of the nicest people that i've met on tour thus far as like a as somebody that we were supporting like he would come into our green room every night after the show and he would be like Oh my God, you guys sound so, you guys are going to be huge. Like you sound like, <laughs> you sound like the teardrop explodes or like he would like go, go, you know, ramble on this list of bands and be like, Oh my, he was so like, he was so sweet. He's also so buff and he's <laughs> so shirtless most of the time. Um, and he's so and straight edge. He's very straight edge and very <laughs> vegan and he's very well-spoken too. He's a, just a great guy. Um, and all the No Doubt dudes were really nice. Tony Canal was really nice too. Um, yeah, that tour was really awesome. And but I, you know, I haven't heard anything from what from them or what's happening with Dreamcar now. So we all kind of have this this ongoing joke now that the only reason why Dreamcar ever really formed was so that we could go on our on our first <laughs> tour, um, or so but, they could tour with Super It. You know, maybe that was their maybe that was their goal. They wanted to go out and tour with you guys. I, I'm I, I'm not gonna say that, but maybe you're right. But they were all really cool, and yeah, we got to play some really special spots, and it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I would imagine that's also just like super refreshing to for Davey to be like such a nice dude and so encouraging to your band because he obviously like doesn't have to do that. And yeah, I don't know what role like he played in your guys's. Uh, upbringing, but AFI was definitely a big band to me in, in yeah. high school and whatnot. So they have serious, serious fans, man. Yeah, absolutely. And they, were, they, were, the, they had some people who would come and travel around and come to every show just to see Davey get up there and do his thing. And they were, and like they, they, they all ended up. At least there's a few that ended up really liking us that have been really still engaging with us since then. And that was like I think a year ago or over a year ago. Yeah, that's, that's really awesome. Yeah, that's killer. You got to have that experience and go out with them for a bit. It really was. Um, I was curious about the decision to kind of re-release Stockholm Syndrome as a part of the Coma's uh, relief batch of, of tunes. Mm. So the reason why that ended up happening was because we were obligated by contract with our label to put out 10 songs on the record (laughs) (laughs) so we had we had that song and 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 we all kind of we all kind of felt like that was one of our personal favorite songs from uh from the ep and we didn't feel like it really got enough light of day so we had dave do a separate mix of it um so if, if you compare the two they're actually pretty different it has a different intro there are certain things in the track that pop out more than other than the original version um but yeah it's that's a really special song to me and to the to the guys and i've just felt like it didn't really as a part of our release when we put the ep out it was kind of undermined i think a little bit as far as just like being a highlight of the music we were releasing maybe because it was a little bit more of a melancholic one 
So, you know, we wanted to give it another chance to get heard. Right on. Yeah. And then, um, I really like the, the new mix of it. It's great. And thank you. Um, yeah, just the music in general, man. I, I just feel like it offers a lot of different dynamic. Like, I feel like it can be as heavy and as like rock and roll as like Muse, or even like as heavy as like and dark as like a Nine Inch Nails at times. But then it also offers like the smoothness of like something like Broken Bells. Like, cool. Get a lot of those Broken Bells vibes listening to this music, which is uh, something that I dig quite a bit and. Obviously, some of those other uh, other bands that that Dave has worked on that we we mentioned, like Flaming Lips and and Spoon and the Tame Impala stuff. I feel like some of those vibes come through as well. Thank you, Dan. I, I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm uh, I'm stoked to hear what this uh, this full length is gonna sound like when you when you all put it out. Uh, I cannot I cannot wait to release it is there it feels it feels like it's been forever it's been a real journey to get to this point but i guess this is just the beginning huh is there a date yet for that or is that yet for for the next release yeah well we're going to continue to do these kind of mini eps i guess we've been we've been calling them maxi singles which i guess is something that the music industry tried at one point where it's like you put out one single that gets pushed the hardest and two follow it so we're going to keep doing that until may and then in may the whole thing is going to come out so right on yeah well i'm looking forward to that and i would encourage people to uh check out all the available music there's there's some tunes available out there on all the streaming platforms and uh i uh i'm stoked to to catch you all live next time you come through portland or next time i happen to be in a city that that you guys are in that would be great. I'd love to meet you, Dan, in real life. Yeah, <laughs> in IRL. In IRL. Um, yeah, I'll put all the links to uh, for people to follow the band, as well as like your Instagram handle and all that jazz, so they can keep up with you. Um, we end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show, which is, "It's a program." It's a program. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Should I do it again? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> you can do it as many times as you want. <laughs> it's a program, Dan. That's uh, that's Mad Blitzer. It's a fantastic program. Thank you, man. That's that's Mad Blitzer, everybody from from Super It. It was a a pleasure to get to talk with you. I appreciate your time. We're going. Thank you, to, likewise. Yeah, dude. We're gonna play it out with uh, "Loving the Animal" off of the uh, self-titled EP. This is awesome. This is a jam I really enjoyed off off that batch of tunes, and. Uh, yeah, man. Have a good show tonight. Thank and, you so uh, much, Dan. Hopefully we'll link up here in the future. Yes, I hope so. All right, man. Take it easy. All righty. We'll talk to you soon. That's the Jelly Jams, everybody. That's Matt Blitzer, the singer, frontman for Super It. Pleasure talking with that dude. And uh, that's it. We're going to play it out with Loving the Animal off the self-titled record, and uh, we will catch you on the flip side.
It's a program. It's a fantastic program. 